You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 114 of 2, 5, and 10. Benny, it was a free agent bonanza out there. People going every which way. What do you think about that? The Mark Messier, Kevin Lowe episode from the Edmonton Oilers days. Um, yeah, a lot of people expected free agency to die down a little bit because of the uh, flat cap. Uh, the trade market was more active as we expected but a lot of big big deals coming out especially in unexpected places like New Jersey so we have a few of the notable trades that went down and then we can run it through some of the free agent signings that occurred kind of give our analysis on the ones that stuck out to us the most Uh, we'll get into the whole Evander Kane situation well the ongoing situation with Evander Kane since 2016 um, we talk about Jack Geichel and the statement from his agents um, and see where that takes us with the Rangers and Bruins. But to get this started off, so since we last recorded, here are the notable trades that have gone down. Uh, the Flyers acquire Cam Atkinson from Columbus for Jacob Voracek. Florida acquired Sam Reinhardt from Buffalo for a 2022 first-round pick and goaltender prospect uh, Devin Levy. The Winnipeg Jets made a pair of trades to fortify their top four. They acquired Brendan Dillon from the Caps in exchange for a second-round pick in 2022 and 2023. And then they acquired Nate Schmidt from the Vancouver Canucks for a third-round pick in 2022. The Blackhawks acquired Marc-Andre Fleury from Vegas for absolutely nothing. Uh, Chicago then acquired Tyler Johnson and the second-round pick from Tampa in exchange for Brent C. Brooks' uh, corpse. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes acquired Ethan Bear from Edmonton in exchange for a Warren Fogle. Uh, I think once that trade was made and D'Angelo was signed to that one-year deal, everybody pretty much knew Hamilton was leaving Carolina. Uh, Vegas made another move. Evgeny Dadanoff from Ottawa in exchange for Nick Holden and a third-round pick in 2022. Uh, two goaltender trades. The Capitals reacquired Vitek Vanacek from Seattle in exchange for a second-round pick in 2023. And the Avalanche signed Darcy Kemper from the... Not signed. Traded for Darcy Kemper from the Arizona Coyotes for Connor Timmons, a first-round pick in 2022, and a third-round pick in 2024. And lastly, my favorite trade since we last recorded, the Vegas Golden Knights acquired a third-round pick in 2022 from my New York Rangers for forward Ryan Reeves. We're not getting beat up anymore, baby. 
Yeah, the nine minutes a night that he's on the ice, great. That's very generous for you to give him nine. <laughs> so, I think the most notable one that led to the most discussion is Mark Andre Fleury trade. Um, but any other ones kind of stick out to you? And what were your thoughts on Colorado's choice to give up assets to trade for Kemper and not sign Grubauer? Um, I really like that Brendan Dillon trade. I think that one is huge for Winnipeg. It seems like Winnipeg every year is, I don't want to call them a dark horse, but it seems like they don't really get too much uh, respect when it comes towards playoff time as in, the, in the sense of deep runs. But the last three years, they've put together really solid showings within the playoffs itself. So maybe this is something that they need to make that next jump. Uh, as for that Colorado trade, uh, yeah, I I think they gave up a lot with Timmons. I, that Timmons is a good player. So they're really going to be hurting there. I don't know how to feel about the Grubauer-Kempfer thing. Like, I, I don't know which one I would go with, to be honest. Like, I feel like Grubauer has been there with them. But I, I don't think Grubauer has ever been a real number one top guy to get you somewhere. He's kind of like a 1B. And he I mean, had a good year last year. He had a good good year last year, but I just, I, I, I've never been that high on Philip Grubauer in general. Um, and I mean, it's not like a, a disrespect thing. It's like a 1B goal. I'm not calling him a backup. I just think like you have the elite of the elites and then you have, you know, Grubauer fill in that B category. But where does that leave Kempfer? I mean, he, he was in the... Uh, in the desert there in Arizona, and he had the other one with him. Who was it when they were split in time? Anti Ranta. So it's like. We signed with Carolina. So can we trust Darcy Kempfer to take a full load? Ooh, might want to rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I could have said finishing a full load, but um, no, like, is he going to be able to take the whole, whole season's worth of work as a starter? I don't know about that. And if Colorado's looking on the backside of things as to did they or did they not make the right choice, I mean, I guess we have to see how Grubauer plays in Seattle with that team in front of them. I think that'll shift everyone's expectations. So I'm not really too sure as to where to rank that trade at the current moment. Yeah, I mean, it just... Grubauer's younger... Cost in terms of the salary is not that significant of a difference to where you look at it and go, that's the reason why they didn't resign Grubauer. It's term for me. I don't think they were ready to commit more than half a decade to Grubauer as their goaltender at that rate. And with Kemper, they got him for two years. And in two years, they can start afresh, they can draft somebody in the meantime. Uh, it gives them options instead of going, okay, is Grubauer our guy for six years? And the answer was no. I don't think it had much of anything to do with the average cap hit. I think it was everything to do with the term. Going back to Kemper, I agree. I mean, the most games he's ever played is 55, um, and that was one of his best years. So when healthy, you can get 50-55 out of them, so that is putting pressure. I mean, you have the Olympic break uh, this year, so it's going to be a condensed schedule, and a lot of teams are going to only be playing the number one 
50 times this year anyway for the most part. So maybe that helps Kemper in a year like this where nobody was expecting him to go out 65 to 70. Um, I agree about the Timmons in the first round pick. That's a heavy, heavy cost. Even with the injury concerns you have with Timmons, uh, potential top four two-way right-hand shot defenseman and a first round pick for a 31-year-old goaltender in this market might have been a little bit of an overpay. I agree about the trades that the Jets made. I think that more than solidifies their top four. Uh, Schmidt likely going to end up playing with Morrissey, and then you have Dylan with Neil Pionk. Um, I think the other two trades that I, I like the most, the Flyers getting Atkinson from Columbus for Voracek. So let me look up. I think that helps them cap-wise too, right? It helps them cap-wise. I mean, uh, how bad do you feel for Jacob Voracek having to go to Columbus, like back to Columbus where it all started? I mean, I guess, you know, he's a guy you want in the locker room. There's been rumors of him going since, you know, I'd say about the trade deadline of, of him going somewhere and, I don't know. For me, he always seemed like he fit the mold of a Philadelphia Flyer, and now with him not there, it'll definitely be a different look. I, I just wonder how this locker room re- reacts. I mean, obviously, you hear great things about Cam Atkinson, but the things that they all say about Jake is that, you know, absolute riot, stand-up guy. Like, that he was the DJ in Philly, so, I mean, now they got to find a new guy to play the tune. So it's all these little things that you got to think about when you're uh, – Shipping out guys like that. Yeah, I think Voracek's game, I mean, he's still an elite playmaker, but outside of that, the last two years, he hasn't really, his game has fallen off. So he's not the two-way force he was in his prime. Um, He's not going to be a 20-30 goal scorer for them. I think when Philadelphia was looking at their roster, they wanted a little bit more of a spark, and you're going to get that with Atkinson, and you're going to get goal scoring with Atkinson. For Columbus, they have a few guys who have big-time wheels, and they're, I feel like they're more closely associated to snipers than they are all-around offensive playmakers. So maybe the thought was, we'll ship out the 32-year-old Atkinson, who's another player in that same mold, and bring in a playmaker to help uh, grease the wheels a little bit for the Columbus offensive attack. The other trade was Reinhardt to Florida. I think another guy who can play any forward position for Quinnville. So they bring in Sam Bennett. They re-sign him. Now they have Reinhardt who can play center and wing as well. So they have options. They can go strong down the middle and have Barkoff 1, Reinhardt 2, Bennett 3. They can have Barkoff 1, Bennett 2, and then have Reinhardt play right wing with Barkoff. Bennett goes to wing, so you have a lot of options there. Uh, so Florida's building. I know Reinhardt is a pretty good player. I know Barkov is an elite player, but outside of that, you're it's they're building a team of flexible role players that can kind of attack you in multiple different ways instead of just uh, kind of being top heavy as a lot of other playoff teams have been in the last few years. I think that's going to help them. Uh, they definitely need to bounce back at this point. Do you even think Bob has a bounce back in him, or is this just going to be an expensive mistake and and Knight's just going to take take the reins and run with it next year? I, I just think that if this is 
what would this be? The third year of Bob's contract? Yep. In the third year, if the rookie is completely taking the reins from you, Florida is in an awful spot to try and buy this out because that's just going to bury their cap the next couple of years. Like yeah. They're finally in a spot now where like the winning is now where they can actually do something and they have a chance. And then they have to push that against your cap. It, it's 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 a killer. So I, I do think it was a highly, highly overpaid mistake. I mean, even if they gave him seven million or eight million, like I would feel a lot better with that contract. But just for the length of it, the whole way through, like, oh yeah, ugh, like uh, listen, Bob was a good goalie. I did not think he was that good of a goalie for $10 million a year. Like, that's that's a killer. I mean, it's a tax for Florida. They don't have an income tax, but they have a sign here as a free agent tax, so they had to overpay to get them. They were probably expecting to get three above average to elite years out of him before he started gradually slipping in play, not sign him, and then he immediately slips. So that was a miscalculation there. Um, how about Tampa Bay navigating the flat cap? Getting out from hell, they lost. I know they lost uh, Yanni Gord to Seattle. That was a five million dollar cap gone. They trade Tyler Johnson. They had to give up a second round pick to do so. He's on that third, fourth line. He's gone. They're able to keep Palat. They're able to keep Kalorn, and then they sign uh, Corey Perry to a deal. And who they sign in the back end? Um, Jesus Christ. Was it Shen or Pogosian again? No, Shen went to Vancouver. Shen went to Vancouver, okay. But they're basically right back to where they were. They'll find some way to make up for the loss of Gord. It was Pogosian uh, again. That's who it was. Three, Bogosian, year, okay. three years at eight fifty a year. Yeah, so they basically have a seventh fee for less than a million dollars locked up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they have the def- The young guys are going to have to step up like Matthew Joseph. So they're going to have to take care of it there. On to Mark Andre Fleury. How does Vegas, who hadn't known this decision was coming since they signed Leonard, they probably never expected Fleury to have a Vezina Trophy year, but they knew they were going to probably end up trading him, especially when the cap was announced that it was going to stay flat for this upcoming season, and they don't have conversations with him before it happens. See, the, the, this is the thing. I've heard two different stories. I heard that at the, they had active. They had told Flurry they were going to shop him, and then I heard that two weeks before the trade happened, they had called and told him that Chicago was interested. They were having talks, and then you hear on the other end from Alan Walsh and from Flurry that he was never informed, and he found out via Twitter or whatever it was that he was now being shipped out. So. Could there be a communication issues both ways? Yes, absolutely. But for one side and the other side to both say that they were completely in the dark to this, it's kind of bullshit. Like, who's lying? Yeah, I don't like Walsh like being the Donald Trump of sports agents and just airing dirty laundry on Twitter whenever he gets like a bug up his ass, to be honest. Well, I was going to say, instantly, once they shipped him out, he reposted the uh, the night picture with the sword on his back. And it's like... Yeah, like, dude. Can, can I just say, though, too, like, not only for not helping his guy, but the other part of it is this. Your guy was left 
exposed in the expansion draft. Like, where was that to the Penguins? You, you didn't put him with a fucking Penguins jersey on getting a knife in his back. But now in Vegas, he's getting it. Like, yeah. if the first part of him getting picked up in an expansion draft isn't business is business, then I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you feel if you're a player on a Hawks or a fan, any type of resentment or like what the fuck is this guy's deal because he gets traded to your team and it's like I, I'm going to retire or I may retire instead of play for them and then after a few days he's like alright I'm actually going to play this year just letting you guys know is there any resentment or is it just a guy who might have felt blindsided and needed a few days to calm down I think it's just more the blindsided part of it like you know that maybe what he is saying is true and he didn't know so when you get hit that shit, I got traded and I'm going to Chicago and now you're second-guessing, but I think the other part of it is if he was thinking he has one more run in him, I mean, they just acquired Seth Jones. They pick up Jake McCabe. He is the starting... Yeah, he he is the starting goalie there. And then you look up front, I mean, is Taves going to be back? I don't know. There's still no timeline, but I mean, is he going to be the same Jonathan Taves? Don't know, but... Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinkett, Tyler Johnson, you got Kubelik has another year in him, Strom. Like, I think there's a chance here that this team can make some noise. Like, you know, Kirby Doc is back and he's healthy. Like, this could be a huge year, and I think he sat down and looked at it and said, they're, they're all in at least for a year, and that's all Flurry's under contract for. So if it's a one-year show, like, let's try to get him a cop. And maybe that was his thinking, and that's where he's at now. Yeah. Um, I I do think Chicago, obviously, is going to have a much better year. I, that's a tough division to start leaping teams in, though. Oh, agreed. That's probably the toughest division in hockey. Um, all right. So moving on to the free agent market, uh, I'll just run, run down some of the big deals. If there are any smaller side deals that you want to highlight, Feel free to jump in, but uh, Dougie Hamilton signs with the Devils, seven years, sixty-three million. Zach Hyman, the long-reported deal with Edmonton, seven years, thirty-eight and a half million. Philip Grubauer, six years, thirty-five point four million with Seattle. Philip Danoe goes to the Kings for six years. Blake Coleman to Calgary for six years. Jaden Schwartz to Seattle as well uh, for five years. Brandon Saad gets five years and a no-trade clause. From St. Louis for five years, twenty-two and a half million dollars. Uh, I'll save the Omar comment from when we talk about the Bruins. Uh, McKay, like you said, goes to Chicago. Ryan Sutter, four-year, fourteen point six million dollar deal with Dallas. Uh, Mike Hoffman, three-year, thirteen and a half million dollars with Montreal. Um, Cody CC, four years, thirteen million dollars <laughs> with Edmonton. Um, Walking down that back end at Edmonton, boy. Woof. Yeah. Uh, The goalie market, you have uh, Freddie Anderson, two years, $9 million to Carolina. Anthony Ronta follows him to Carolina. Not quite sure what Arizona's planning on doing in goal. They signed Carter Hunton, but that can't be the only thing they must be planning on doing. Um... Morozik goes to Toronto, three years, $11.4 million. So Toronto's basically all in on a Jack Campbell, Peter Morozik 
combination for their next few years. Let's see how that works out for them. Um, James Reimer goes to San Jose, two years, a 4.5 million to black back up Aiden Hill. Um, outside of that, more more players get slaps, uh, get slaps, saves in Anaheim. Uh, the most that's the ones I mentioned. The most interesting one to me is it is an overpay, especially a lot of third, fourth liners getting six, seven years, which is I'm, I don't know why GMs keep like shooting themselves in the foot and then they'll complain three years from now whenever this TBA comes up. Oh my god, we need an amnesty buyout like these players and their demands. But Phil to know going to LA. LA's made a lot of moves. Yeah. And kind of under the radar moves this summer. So yeah, you're overpaying in terms of term, term six years for a guy like Philip Deneau, who's a, at this point a uh, one way, but that one way is elite in terms of being a defensive center. He's a three C type guy. It's just they're building. I this is corny as shit, but they're building an actual team in LA. Like they're like identifying a need and they go, we need this, mm-hmm. and they get it. They might be overpaying, but they're not saying. All right, we ha- we're in free agency and we have thirty million in cash space. Let's just sign everybody. Um, let's overpay for Zach Hyman. So, I like what Winnipeg did on a trade market to bolster their D. I like what LA has been doing uh, in free agency and the trade market. Uh, anything else that's kind of stuck out to you in terms of uh, notable changes and or guys switching teams? I would say for notable changes, just team-wise, uh, Vancouver has been on the move a lot. They, they yeah. kind of switched that team over completely, buy out um, Holtby, uh, so they're giving the reins completely to Demko, which I was v- very surprised about. I mean, uh, I no brain Holtby didn't have the best of years, but I did not think he was going to be getting bought out. That kind of surprised me a little bit. They have that trade with Arizona. Excuse me. Bringing in Karna Garland, taking on the uh, ekman Larson deal. We talked about that last week. I just think that they're starting to put the pieces in place. Still have Brandon Sutter there. Like I, I like that team. I, I like where they are. They they still have to figure out deals with uh, Pedersen and Quinn Hughes just to keep the, the young guys happy. But, no, I, I think that's a team that is definitely heading in the right direction. In terms of Opie, by the way, he signed with Dallas. It's a one-year deal, but now Dallas has Ben Bishop, Anton Hudobin, and Holpe under contract, and they still have their stud goaltending prospect who played for them last year. Mm-hmm. Got some games in there, so there has to be a trade coming at some point. Like, I just don't know why they signed Holpe because even if you trade Bishop, let's say, you would just arrive with Hudobin and the kid. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to me. Or even if you try to get rid of Hudobin and you keep Bishop, I mean, they're, they're both under contract for the same amount of time. Yeah, that's a, that's a unique situation as to why they went that way. But, yeah, you have to think there's more coming. And they still they got some work to do to get under the cap. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they ship out one of those goalies just to become cap compliant. And Martin Jones, talking about solving goaltending issues, signs a one-year deal for $2 million with Philly. Um, not looking too promising if Carter uh, has another rough start and then they have to turn to Martin Jones in goal. No, that is 
Listen, I, I really liked Philadelphia's moves here. Like, I love them bringing in Ellis. So, like, you look at that back end now, you got Provorov, Ellis, Ristolainen, and Keith Handel. You still have the solid guy in our boy, Justin Braun. You have Moran, who's finally coming into the body that he's grown into. And it's like, am I missing something here? Like, we saw what happened with Carter Hart last year. Like, complete... Like, like, off the rails, did not, like, it was bad. It was very bad. And for them to bring in Martin Jones, who has been the worst of the worst in San Jose, in hopes of that is going to be their equivalent of, if Carter Hart goes on a skid, we're just going to plug him in. Like, if I'm a player on this team, that's bullshit. Like, you're fucking us hardcore there, Chuck Fletcher. And AV, like, I, I know... He's definitely a player's coach, and he can definitely kind of ride the waves at times with the boys and kind of make them feel better. But if they have any sort of goalie trouble at all, they're fucked. And who knows? Maybe that's where one of those Dallas goalies is going. Yeah, maybe. Maybe the stars start the year, see what the market ends up turning into. Uh, My question, I guess, I mean, the Sean Crowley deal is it? overpay for the way his game's kind of nosedive dive since you guys went on that cup final run. But Blake Coleman going to Calgary. Nice player. Obviously a guy who can contribute significantly to a Stanley Cup run in a right role. But you lose your captain, Giordano, in the expansion draft. Your team's been kind of just fluttering the last two, three years. I know you signed Markstrom to the big deal. But if you look at this roster, you're not a Blake Coleman away from being a contender. No. And no. They haven't traded Johnny Goodrow, which everybody is still thinking is going to happen. But now you're getting into like early mid-August when things kind of settle down. Monaghan's still on the team. Backlund's still on the team. Um, they didn't really make a huge move to replace Giordano. Not necessarily as a first-pair defenseman, but in the top six. Uh, I know they have Tanev. Um and he made the trade for Zadora, but I don't see anything that's like, oh, okay, cool. Their top six is solid. They have Markstrom and Gold. They're all right. I just don't see. This is a team that's kind of like St. Louis a few years ago when they finally made let go of Bacchus and Oshi and kind of changed the chemistry a little bit. I don't see that problem being solved just yet. So that's my concern with handing out a deal for Coleman when you're not a Coleman away. I just think, uh, on a personal level, like, Blake Coleman has played great the last couple of years in Tampa, but I don't think he's worth 4-9. Like, that's that's tough. And to have him for, what was it, a six-year deal? Six-year deal. No As way. As a 29-year-old free agent. Like, it, it, like, he plays a hard game. Like, obviously, you know, you got to have to respect that part of it. But like, well, he's going to break down easier because of that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't think he finishes out this deal. I, I'd say by the fourth year, they buy him out. End of the fourth year, he's done. It's the same thing with Goodrow with the Rangers. Six-year deal for a guy of – he's not – like, again, no offense. It's He's going to be the first one to admit his game is not offense. Like, so you're not banking on – yeah, his game might decline, but you can still stick him in front. He has those sweet hands. You're a guy who's paying a fourth-line banger six years, and he's already on the wrong side of the uh, 
curve here in terms of peak years for an NHL player, what what are you paying for? Mm-hmm. So that's an issue there. Like uh, the McCabe deal to Chicago, four year, $16 million. I like that deal. I think McCabe's healthy. That's a nice boost for them. Savard goes to Montreal, four years, $14 million. And an under-the-radar signing that I liked, I know it's kind of hit or miss in terms of this player, depending on who you speak to, but Seattle signing Alexander Winberg to a three-year, $13.5 million deal. 27-year-old, I know he's. it's always the same thing with him. Like he's, He has potential to be, if he, if he unlocks it, he's a really solid second, third line center. He's going to get the full opportunity with a team like Seattle. And if he does break through, you have him for $4.5 million for only three years. Meanwhile, the Rangers are playing good row. Low, low risk, high reward deal for a team like Seattle who had a lot of cap space to work with. Can I just say, just speaking of Seattle, I mean, after their first expansion draft, we were kind of, eh. Can add them a little bit differently, or still kind of, yeah. Well, I do like Grubauer and Goal. Um, their defense is still solid. I think they're still going to move at least one of them. Probably. Uh, there was talk about them flipping Giordano, but I don't think that's going to happen anymore. It's probably going to be Carson Susie. Their offense is where the issue is. Like, Yanni Gord's their first line center. No offense to Yanni Gord. He's not a first-line center. Winberg is their second-line center. No offense. He hasn't proven that yet. Could those guys have a Vegas breakout and Yanni Gord turns into this version's uh, William Carlson? Sure. Why not? But their offense is going to be still a little bit of an issue here. Um, I do like their goaltending combination with Vijer and Grubauer. So a little bit of uh, an improvement in my eyes, but... Maybe they'll make a deal for Johnny Goodrow and kind of clear that out a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll see where that takes us. Um, talking about free agency trades, everything else, what are your thoughts on what the Bruins have done in the last two weeks or so, um, and where does that leave them for the month of August in terms of potential holes they still need to fill either free agency or trade market? I am absolutely blown away that Don Sweeney went out at the free sign of free agency, put on his big boy pants, and signed some guys here. Um, <laughs> we'll start with just before we end up signing Hall to that four-year extension, six million a year. I'm fine with that. I have no issues with that. I think that's good. Uh, we bring in Nick Foligno on the two-year deal, three point eight a year. I think that's good for depth-wise. Our depth the last two years has not been there and now we bring in Felino. Now we bring in Eric Halla for two years as well. Now we bring in Nosek for two years. Like I think those were crucial pickups to I like the Nosek sign. I, I, I like where eat up time on that PK 
we could we cannot have Matt Grizzlick out there anymore in the PK. Like Grizz had an awful year last year between the injuries and his play. I think that we needed to kind of take some of that defensive responsibility away from him. Uh, we re-signed Mike Riley, three years, three a year. I'm okay with that as well. I think that's a nice deal. I, I agree. Um, the one thing that I was just kind of really curious about was the Linus Olmark deal in that. Yes. Um, it seemed as if we, a lot of we were... for him. Yeah, th- that was just kind of my own thinking in the sense of like, it seemed like we were handing over, you know, the reins to Sway. And it's not like we signed Olmark for two years. This is a four-year deal for $5 million a year. You're paying him starting goalie money, and he's going to have to be a starter here. So so now Swayman is at least on the back burner till at least next year. Easy, if not the year after that. So I, I do think that Swayman will be the backup, but now it's in a different thing. As for Olmark goalie-wise, I mean, I, I do think Linus Olmark is a good goalie. Uh, for a guy who was in Buffalo for the team that he had in front of him, he was halfway through the pack and save percent. Her save percentage should be middle of the line, like right before Carey Price last year. I, I think that's solid. I just... I do think it's an overpay, and I think it's we're holding on to him for way too long. So we'll see what happens there. Now, going into the other part of the Bruins here, as free agency day was coming along and you see all the signings coming in, I'm doing the math in my head, and then at the end I'm going, we don't have any money for Krejci. And then we see the next day that David Krejci, he's not retiring, but he's going back to the Czech Republic to go back over there and play. That killed me. I absolutely love David Krejci. Love the man. He has been nothing but the utmost professional here. Nice, caring guy. You can see him out on the street, always smiling, always has a joke. Like, I posted on Facebook the other day, they had Sean Thornton mic'd up, and he's on the bench, and someone comes by, and he's like, suck it, you milk drinker. And <laughs> Krejci's next to him on the bench, he just looks and he goes, oh, he drinks milk? And, and like, you know, Thornton just smiles, and he goes, you know, that's all I had. But uh, there was nothing better in my time than a fucking David Krejci, like, intermission interview. Like, I used to love those, and... I, I get the puck from Luch. Uh, he passed me puck. I score. Uh, I pass Luch puck. Luch pass Hordy. Hordy score. Like, oh my God. Like, oh my God. He was just so good and he was so funny. Uh, hats off to David Krejci. Thank you for the career that you gave us. Like, the the that line of Horton, Krejci, and Lucic, they couldn't be touched when they were together. Like, no one even had a sniff. The most underrated second line center of the last ten years. Oh, easily, easily, not not even a question. I can't think of anybody else because he was consistently productive in all facets of the game for a team that was legitimate year in a year a cup contender for a decade, and no one knew who he was outside of Boston and like hardcore fans. No, and I mean the the other thing with him too is uh, David. Krejci ended up being the whipping boy here, kind of towards the end, yeah. because, you know what, the, the past two years, 
not even two years, I'll go even further, I'll say the past four years, he has had no consistency on his wings at all. They're constantly changing on him, constantly changing. He hasn't had any sort of consistency, but he's still put up 50-plus points a year, 60-plus points a year, silently, just a silent assassin. And for me, it's like, what more do you want out of this man? Like, I, I, I never know what Boston fans want more of. And it's like, how can you ask for more out of this guy when his lines, his line mates change every day? The people that he has with them are constantly changing. And he's still constantly giving you points. Like, I just don't know what Boston wanted out of him. Well, it's Boston's. It's the, oh, he has the weird name and he's not from here. So let's just pile on a little bit. Yeah, well... Now, going forward past that is... You ready for Charlie Coyle, second line second? No, absolutely not. It, th- that is not going to happen. And, uh, like, right now, there is no one who's going to take the Charlie Coyle in a trade. Nobody. Uh, especially just coming off of off-season surgery. So now we look at good old Jakey DeBrusque there. And what can we do with him? I like one player that I think could come in, and I don't think he could do what David Krejci did, but I think he at least gave us a chance. I think Christian Dvorak in Arizona would be perfect here. See if we could send DeBrusque in a second out there. And then if that doesn't work, I think you have to figure out who that 2C is going to be, whether you put Hala in the middle up there, whether you give Stadnika a chance. I was, I was getting there. I, I like Jack. His game in the AHL has proved it. I mean, in 70-something games in the AHL, I believe he has like 53 points. So the, the kid lights it up down there. I'm just wondering if we do it internally or in-house to go for that second-line center. I still think that we need our D to be better. And I'm thinking that we should package DeBrusque and Grizzlick to get, like, a top four D-man. Ooh, and Grizzlick. And Grizzlick, yeah. All right. I mean, again, like you touched on, the improvement on it upside of things for the Bruins, you're looking at your wing spots, and yet these are all the guys who have NHL experience that are going to be coming to camp for you that play to wing. Marshan Hall, Halla, Nosek, Fedrick, Pasternak, Felino, Smith, Wagner, Debrusseen, Coleman. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, some of those guys can start in AA. I still think Oscar Steen is a guy who, if he gets a legit opportunity, could be a nice role player for some team. Uh, but that's too many guys. So, I'm, I don't know if it's going to be something where you see who wins the battle in camp and then flip the loser of a specific battle for a pick or something like that or a prospect. But I remember last year. Well, not last year at this time, but last offseason, your biggest complaint was, if we lose one guy, we're screwed. Mm-hmm. And now it's, hey, we have too many decent players for bottom six spots here. And, you know, I know you're not the biggest fan of Sweeney, but credit where it's due, I think he's put you guys in a position where, especially with the quote-unquote retirement of Krejci, where if it's going to be a all-hands-on-deck, he has a lot of hands on the deck. No, I, I think he finally went in. And the biggest thing for me was the term that he actually gave guys. Because we dealt with the David Backus thing. We dealt with the Matt Bolesky thing. And for him to actually go out and get free agents for term that were worth it. Was good. Like Nick Foligno, he is a heart and soul, a meat and potatoes player. 
guy's 33. He'll be either 34th star, so he'll either be 35 or 36 when this contract's over. But that's it. We, we didn't hold on to him until he was 40. Like, you know, like, I was just happy with the term. This has extended our Stanley Cup window a little bit longer. And, uh, and we'll see how these things shake out. I love the Hall signing to be like a third line left wing. Uh, like, I, I just like where everyone can kind of suit into this lineup. That, that's just where I am more than anything. And is there any concern that the reason why they gave Olmark that contract is because they know Tuca is not going to come back and he just hasn't announced? Uh, no, I mean, Tuca's UFA. Anyone can sign him. So Yeah, but I mean, like, if... They know either he's signing elsewhere or he's going to retire. Yeah, I mean... Is that throw a wrench into plans or it's just like, well, that's why we signed Olmark and we have Swayman. We'll roll with those two. I mean, this is the way I would do it. Tuca, in general, is not going to be able to play until January or February, the earliest. That, that yeah. was already confirmed via his surgery. You know what? If you want to pick Tuca up when he's finally ready to play, sign him for a deal for the rest of the year, $2 million prorated. See where he's at. You want to sign him for another year after that? Go for it. But if you think Tuca's done, or you just don't want him back here, and Omar was the guy you went with, like live with it. Like the, that's just the one thing I hate sometimes. Here is the Bruins never fully commit. They don't jump in the water and say we're not bringing him back. It's a we'll put a toe in. Yeah, yeah. Tuca's still around. Yeah, Tuca's going to probably be rehabbing at the Warrior Ice Arena with the team. So it's like, oh, he's not under contract, quote-unquote, but he's here rehabbing every day. Oh, okay. So are you re-signing Tuka to a contract? Oh, you know, it's like, yeah. come on. All right, well, moving over to my Rangers. Uh, a little bit of action on the well, the offseason so far. They make the Barkley Goodrow signing. Six years, $3.6 million. They make the trade for Ryan Reeves. Um, that combination... The Rangers are pretty much looking at a fourth line of Morgan Barron, who is 6'4", 226, Barkley Goodrell at center, and Ryan Reeves on her, on her right side. And that's the Rangers' fourth line this upcoming year. Um, they made the trade. They traded away Paolo Buchnevich. We talked about the Sammy Blay in a second-round pick. Another guy who, even though he's not a monster, size-wise, he's another hard-nosed, physical, four-checking winger. That was lacking from the Rangers the last few years. Um, they kept Ryan Strome. There are rumors that they were interested, or at least Seattle was interested in flipping Giordano for Strome. I'm fucking ecstatic that they didn't do that. Um, on the back end, you know, they signed Patrick Nemeth to a reasonable deal. I like him on the third pair. He's a solid, you know, he's going to do his job. He's going to do it well. Nothing flashy. He'll be paired with one of the rookies on the third pair, whether it's Zach Jones, uh, Brandon Schneider, or Niels uh, Lundqvist on the third pair. That's just going to be his role, just cover for them. They signed Jared Tenorti to a two-year deal. Now, I don't have an issue with Tenorti, and in fact, I was you know, surprised with his level of play for you guys. Uh, I thought he was just a straight-up goon. I'm not saying he's super talented, but he showed a little bit more. As, and as a seventh defenseman who can come in and play physical and help us out that way, not complaining too much. My issue is the Rangers are loaded on de- defense with prospects. And the Rangers have Anthony Potato signed to a deal. They still have Libor Hayek. They have 
Schneider, Lundquist, Robertson, Runanen, uh, and Jones all knocking on the door from Hartford or from the junior days to get top six ice time. Now, for this upcoming year specifically, if Tenorti is your seventh day and your top six is Fox, Truba, Miller, Lindgren, Namath, and one of the kids, and Tenorti is your seventh day, where does that leave Hayek? And I'm not saying you Hayek's the type of guy you make room for, but now you're just going to flip a young top six defenseman who plays physical for pennies on a dollar because you don't have space and you lose all that leverage. And that he was one of the he was the reason the Rangers traded McDonough to Tampa Bay. They refused to make that deal until Tampa Bay included Hayek in a deal. Now you're going to flip him for nothing because you need this clear space for Jared Tenorti. If you knew you were going to be making a trade for Ryan Reeves, what's the point of having Tenorti on the roster? Like, I'm not too sure on that. I think the Rangers going, you never go full goon, and they're going full goon here. Like, the one criticism was they weren't strong enough, and then they go out and just start signing everybody who's over six feet tall who has fists. So I'm not exactly sure how much better the team is in the long run. Um... The other news that came out was Georgiev it has asked for a trade. Uh, there are rumors he's going to go to Carolina. That's obviously not happening anymore. I'm not quite sure, one, where the, he has any leverage. But two, I'm not quite sure what the fuck he's expecting. Like, you signed a two-year bridge deal. Longquist retired. Well, now he's retired, basically. And you're going to compete, be competing with Shosturkin. Stir can beat you. Now you're the backup. You're the 1B. What are you fucking complaining about? Like, is he upset that he's not going to be in the number one? Okay, that's fine. Play your ass off this upcoming year. And then build your value around the league. And the Rangers will trade you to Tina Vizio as a number one. They did it with Cam Talbot. Like, the Rangers have done this before. They know what they're doing. So I'm not exactly sure what he's expecting with the trade demand. Um... But really, the Rangers are pretty much done. I know everybody keeps linking them to Jack Eichel. There's almost no way the Rangers trade for Jack Eichel. Unless Buffalo wants to eat more than half of his cap for the remainder of his deal. And the reason why I say that is, if you trade for Jack Eichel, that means you're letting Mika Zibanejad go as a free agent next summer. And I'm not sure the Rangers want to do that. That trade-off, especially with this unknown desk injury and recovery and procedure that Ico wants to get done that might take 12 weeks to recover from. It's never been done in an NHL player before. I don't think the Rangers want to get into that. And to be honest, when you have a guy like Philip who's your third-line center, who scored the way he did last year under David Quinn, I could see him. He's still only 21, 22 years old. Like, I could see him turning into a 20-goal 25-30 assist guy next year as your third-line center with power play time, and I'm not ready to give that up. Now, the last thing I'll say is I've been talking to you constantly about what's Kako's role on this team. I still don't see one for him. And that's partially his own fault and partially just the, rain, the way the Rangers are built. He's not going to play with Panarin. Panarin does not like playing with him, so that rules out the second line. The first line are you really going to play Sabanajad with Lafreniere and Kako? I don't think that helps. Well, 
I think Lafreniere is going to be a stud starting this year. I don't think that helps Zibanejad too much. So now you're looking at him on the third line with Kreider and Hedl. Okay, maybe, but then that means Kravtsov is on the first line with Lafreniere and Zibanejad. Again, the same issue with impacting Mika's game. So I've been trying to look around and find, and this is a nice little segue, a overpaid power winger on a team that's going nowhere who might be interested in trading him and eating just a little bit of his cap in return for Kako and a guy who just fits the Rangers better for the next few years. At first, it was Evander Kane. I sent you that. I was like, oh, take away all the off-eye stuff. If you're San Jose, you don't jump. Wouldn't, like, oh, you'll give me the second overall pick from two years ago for Evander Kane and we have to eat $2 million a year? Where do I sign? <laughs> I well, I would say yes, but as to what has just come out with the Vander yeah, Kane, I now that ruins did, everything. Yes. <laughs> so, if anybody out there has any ideas about a power young power winger under the age of thirty, doesn't have to be twenty two years old, has a couple years left, and the team might be interested in trading for him. Have you? So let us know in the comments people. because yeah. I'll be interested. <laughs> I'll help Chris Jury out. I'll start fucking crowdsourcing this shit. But, um, yeah, the whole Vander Kane thing, uh, we've talked about this since we started uh, recording this podcast a couple years ago. I'm not going to get into all the stuff. He's been accused of assault several times. Uh, there was the whole thing about being sued for not paying for an abortion that he basically bullied a woman into getting. All that's been discussed before. Now, the latest incident is his... It's still his wife, right? Like, they're not broken up. They're not divorced. They're not divorced yet. I believe they're in a process yeah. <laughs> of divorce. I mean, just reading okay. the message... Of, yeah, she accused him of gambling on hockey and his own games and, and throwing games. That, and then the other message she came forth with yesterday as to... What kind of the person Evander Kane was as her and her child are at home and they don't even have money for formula and that um, he's out in Europe partying it every night at clubs and so on and so forth. So I'm like, I listen to each his own, as they say, like, you know, do your thing, but... Evander Kane has already been popped, was it last year? The year before he had already filed for bankruptcy. He, he, year, yeah. yeah he, and he's not even done with his contract. He's already filing for bankruptcy on it. So, so yep. to me, that's already a red flag. And then the girlfriend also brings up that, oh, hey, look, n- not only that, but on top of it, um, the San Jose Sharks knew about how bad his gambling addiction was, especially when one of the guys ends up getting him a, a gambling book for dummies. So, like, I just think, listen, I, I understand people have issues. Everyone has their own issues. I'm, I'm not going to say here and see who does what, X, Y, Z. No, everyone has their own set of problems. But, like, for a significant other... To get to this point, I, I think it, it's serious. I, I think it's very serious. And I think it's nerve-wracking. I, I think it's scary. And for her to finally break her silence 
to whatever point it may have been that made her break it, these aren't just, like, minor things of fucking, like, he left the house and didn't leave me a credit card. He he is challenging the integrity of the game. Yeah, but you, the flip side of that is she knows that that would be the most damaging thing to say, and if they're in a position where they're going through a divorce and he's been treating her like dog shit, which is no excuse, she could be in a mindset of, what can I say that will fucking ruin him? And you know what? Maybe that's it. But his gambling addiction is something that is. Yeah, it's kind of like it's, where smoke is fire. Yeah, but I mean that that's already a, a known fact. So to to throw that in there as well, I mean, hey, I I don't think she's too far off. Because I mean, do you think if you're down that that desperate, right? Would you come home and tell the wife, like, hey, there's a game tonight, but, you know, I won 50 grand on the other end? No way. I don't think he would say it. I, I don't either. That make, that would, Unless he's just that fucking reckless. That's what makes it unrealistic to me, is that he would just be so open about this. Like, could he be that stupid? Sure. But he's been in the league for how long, and the gambling thing only came about last year or the year before? No, no, they knew about the gambling thing way before. When he was when he was first signed in Atlanta, that first summer, there's a picture of him in Vegas, notorious of him on the balcony with like twenty grand in each hand or ten grand in each hand, and he's t- calling out Floyd Money Mayweather, hey, hey, money, I'm in, I'm in Vegas, blah blah. blah. And there's always been stuff about him. Gambling yeah, constantly. I feel like it's always been a thing. And then that, that was how we got, well, the gambling, I don't know if that was how he was chased out of Winnipeg, but B- Big Buff finally got enough of them. They had to ship him out or Big Buff was going to kill him. Like, I, I think this is a guy who just does not get the picture. You know, like some people you can drop like hints to and they're like, oh, fuck. Like, all right, yeah, got caught. Going to clean my act up. I, I don't think this is the guy. Yeah, because it's not like he's admitted... Even when he announced the bankruptcy thing, he didn't. He acknowledged the gambling, but he didn't say it in a way of like, "I have a problem. I need to get help. I'm going to be entering rehab." He's just like, "Yeah, I'm filing for bankruptcy. You know, I've run into some money issues. Uh, I don't know. They might actually terminate my contract to help me out with the bankruptcy proceed." Like, there was no like, I guess what you're getting at, self-reflection or self-awareness, being like, "Yo, I'm in fucking way too deep here." Yeah, none of that. So, I would be, I mean, say what you want about Danny Jones and Gary Bettman, but Gary Bettman won't, has never been, like, soft when it comes to off-ice shit like this. So, when they say they're going to investigate uh, on the accusation, if they say there's no proof that he gambled on NHL games or threw any of his own games, I'll believe it. Player safety is in a whole other department. But I would be, dude, I would be stunned if it was true. Just because of, like, the fucking audacity to do it. Uh, I would just think uh, this would be the best thing for San Jose to get them out of this fucking cap crunch where if the NHL terminates him or puts him on a list where he can't play and it doesn't affect their cap, that is the best yeah, possible... Uh, what's his name from L.A.? That yeah. Um, can't play ever again. Voinov. Voinov. But, I mean, that would be the best possible scenario for L.A. because he still has one, two, three, four more years left on his deal at $7 million a year. 
Yeah. That opens up the whole can of worms of is a, a Tim Donahue situation for the NHL where Kane gets busted and he starts naming names. Like, hey, this guy did this, this guy did that, this guy did this, this ref has done this. And then it turns into a huge fucking the, conspiracy. The only thing for me, though, in, in that sense is it is a lot easier for a basketball player to have that much of an impact on a game. You yeah. go to get a pass yeah. down low, you muff it. You know what? You're a hockey player. You get a shot. You wind up as hard as you can, but you know you're shooting it right dead in the goalie's chest. Hey, you know what? I I thought that was a scoring chance. You, you know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. there's ways around. The only thing they could do is if there was, like, a puck line bet where he completely and utterly misses an empty net or he has some shit churn around at the end of the game where they have an empty net and then they score it. Like, I think that's the only thing that they could possibly try to prove. Yeah. I, I, the only way they're going to be able to prove it is if there are receipts somewhere or like text messages. I mean, for him, luckily, at least if you go to Vegas and you get a, rec- like a receipt on a, a gambling thing, they don't have your name on it. You know what I'm saying? It is yeah. the date, the, the bill how much you paid, what your payout would be if you hit on it. That's it. So, I mean, that might be one thing that's saving them. So, it's not like they have in the system, oh, Evander Kane on this day bet X amount of dollars. Well, they can put it together. They can piece it. They did it way back in the day with Pete Rose based on phone call logs and when bets were registered by Vegas in the book, and they matched it up that way. Oh, no, I, I have no question of them being able enough to do it. I'm, I'm just saying for... For Pete Rose to call and make a bet yet again, baseball, I think, is another one where, you know what, you're a hitter, you bet on a game, shit, I'll, I'll swing it three pitches in a row and I won't even be close. I just think for hockey, it's a lot harder to prove if you're quote-unquote throwing a game. Yeah, I think it's hard to purposely throw a game because you stand out like a sore thumb. Oh, if absolutely. You're not, if you're not giving effort, if you're not back-checking, if you make a play that's just like so incomprehensible but like wait why would he make that fucking play you know what I mean and then it's just hard to blend in well not to mention too in hockey if you come in and you make a shit turnover you know the coaches might be like give you a look at one point like hey fucking get that one past you let's go you do another one the odds of you still playing are slim to none like the coach hey enjoy sitting there because I'm not putting you on the ice you're a liability today so. Yeah, I I would be surprised if that's true or not. And then if it's not true, that goes back to the whole, this is why a lot of people take a grain of salt with accusations from ex-wives and everything else. So, uh, what a shit situation. Anyway, I didn't think there could be a shittier situation than not being traded out of Buffalo. <laughs> but, but Evander Kane found a way. But anyway, Jack Eichel, his agents released basically they went scorched earth at this point now, uh, in terms of their trade demand. Basically saying they expected a trade by the start of free agency. Buffalo hasn't been honest with them, and they haven't been reasonable with other franchises to make the trade. And that's been borne out by the Rangers pulling out of the trade talks. Uh, the Wild pulling out of the trade talks, LA pulling out of the trade talks, and all three team officials talked in the media and said that Kevin Adams 
uh, demands are almost mind-numbingly uh, too much. Like, nobody would ever make a trade with him based on what he's asking. So, I think the agents at this point are like, dude, you're, you're not putting forth a good faith effort to make this trade happen, and you're starting to piss us off because he can't get that surgery until he's traded. And now you're prolonging his recovery timetable, which is now going to start bleeding into training camp in the start of the season, which might make other teams not want to trade as much for him and meet your demand, and then he's stuck in Buffalo. Yeah, I, I don't get that either, that he still has not had the procedure done. And then... The, the team's the, in control of that. Correct. But, but the other part of it, too, which I thought was... I, I thought this was strange. It almost seemed arrogantly cocky, was when... Uh, Adams over there turned around and said, we're in no rush. As far as we're concerned, we have a player that's under contract. Like, Yeah, that's trying to hold leverage, but like, you you have a player under contract, he's not going to show up. Yeah, like, he, at like, this point, he's been paid enough where, you know what, you can find him, do whatever. He, he's, I don't think he's ever going to play there. Even, even if they give him the surgery, I still don't think he goes back. No. At, this is a, an Alexei Yashin situation. He'll, he will sit out. He will get fined. He does not care. He's never playing for Buffalo again. And if you're at Buffalo, now you're into August. Billy Garen's not going to wait around and be like, oh, I'm going to see if we can get Eichel. Vegas, they were already facing a cap crunch. I know they traded the flurry deal, but then they bring in Adonoff, so they still don't have like a ton of room. The Rangers... If you're looking at their roster right now, unless the Rangers plan on trading a couple of their young forwards, which doesn't make sense based on the lack of leverage that Buffalo has in an Eichel deal, their roster is set. Their, their four lines are set. You have Lafreniere, Zibanejad, Kaka at this point, Panarin, Strom, and probably Sammy Blay. Then you have Kreider, Heedle, Krasov, Baron, Goodrow, Reeves. They don't need to trade for Eichel at this point. Like, Strom is a 60-point center with Panarin. Heedle could be a 30, 40-point third-line center. Zibanejad, Zibanejad. They don't need Jack Eichel at this point. No, I, I agree. I mean, this Eichel thing to me has been completely overblown. Like, at first you wonder if it was kind of a, a stunt per se, and then it gets to this point where they have completely missed their window if they were going to capitalize at all. It's gone yeah. now. And now I think Buffalo is sitting there with their thumb in the ass as to whether what they were asking for was too much or if they were just kind of shooting for the moon, hoping that someone was that desperate to gain Jack. And now they're at the point of they have nothing. They have their superstar center who still has not had surgery yet because of them and they're doing and they magically think he's going to show up and play. So, hats yeah. off to Buffalo when you thought it couldn't get any worse. And I doubt Buffalo wants to trade him within a division or within a conference. So then you're looking at the Western Conference teams. And would L.A. re-engage? Who knows? I mean, they have that field to know. They have Kopitar. They have a couple of young kids by field. Velarde. They don't need to trade for Eichel. I know Eichel would be an upgrade over those kids potentially, but you got to factor in a cap situation, health situation. I don't think Vegas is going to be able to pull that deal off. Um, 
to be honest, you're kind of looking at with Dallas swooping, add some more offense to that to their attack. Maybe if they can work out the cap. Nashville's out of it unless Buffalo wants to take back Duchesne or Johansson as part of the deal. So you're kind of limited with your options here. They're extremely limited. I don't think it's like you said too. Who is going to take the risk on him now, especially after no one has seen him play? whether he has surgery or he doesn't have surgery. I, I don't think anyone is taking him now until they see him play again. Yeah. But that's the thing. Where is he going to play? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Retirement. He, he just built that really nice house in New Hampshire on the coastline. He'll be okay. So my prediction is he either ends up in L.A. or Dallas. Those my That's my prediction. L.A., Dallas, or he sits out for the year? I'm going the latter. I think he sits out for the year. All right. Um, just a quick wrap-up. Uh, Ryan Murray signed a one-year deal with Colorado tonight. I think that's a nice little signing for them uh, to help out their top six. And a couple of guys who are still out there. Kyle Primary is still out there. There were reports he signed a deal with the Islanders, but apparently that's not official yet. Um, Chara is still out there. Is he at the point where he'd rather just hang him up, or is he start being like one-year deal on this team, one-year deal on this team until teams just stop offering him a deal? I, I think that's the point where he's at, the one one ones. I heard that Florida is now in talks with him now that uh, he said at the end of last year he was away from his family for the year. It was difficult. He does have a Florida home, so Florida is now in talks with him as to see if he would sign down there. Or he signs with Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, you have Casey Zizekas, who's still out there. Parisi, who's more of a name at this point of his career, is still out there. Uh, Jumbo Joe still hasn't re-signed with Toronto. Not sure what he's planning on doing. So there's still a few names out there that are available. Um, I feel like the Eichel situation will, if it's, resolve one way or another, it's going to be over the next couple of weeks in terms of either he's traded or it comes to a point where Buffalo says we're not trading him, either he shows up or he doesn't get paid. Um, and that will kind of defrost the rest of the offseason market for some of these teams because now they know that domino has fallen. Um, but other than that, we're in the dog days of the offseason. Uh, we have a couple of weeks left here in August and then training camps start opening up in September. Um, I think the Bruins are pretty much done up unless they make a surprise trade for a 2C or they trade the Brusquare Tough or D Man. I think the Rangers are done. I don't think they're trading for Eichel. I think they're done. Um, Ryan Reeves is Ryan Reeves, whatever. Um, I still kind of like the, the construction of the team. I'm just more excited about seeing Gallant uh, with this roster. But other than that, I think the offseason is pretty much done except for some role players signing and some cheap one-year deals on some veterans. Now, one last question about the Rangers, Lisa, at this point. Who do you think is more in charge of the meat that you guys just got? Do you think this was Jerry or do you think it was Gallant? And, and I only ask because they say part of the reason why the Panthers and Gallant you know, parted ways was Galan thought the team was getting too soft when they had shipped out Good Branson. So do you think this was kind of part of his stipulation of, you know what, if you want to hire me, that's fine, but I also kind of want to build the team my way? 
I think that it's more so Gallant finding the right opportunity at the right time because the Rangers went through the whole ordeal where Dolan fired everybody because we got pushed around. So he comes into a situation where Drury knows he had a, he was going to be reshaping the roster a little bit to be harder to play against and a little bit tougher. And then Gallant comes in as a coach who may not be as analytically inclined and likes his thumpers. So it's kind of like a perfect timing for Drury and Gallant. Ryan Reeves is all Gallant. Um, well, I was going to say, he that. loves Gallant, yeah. Yeah, I think Goodrell is also Gallant because he coached against him in San Jose for those years in Vegas. They had those battles in the playoffs. I think that was significant input from Gallant. I think the Tenorti stuff is just Drury scouring the market, bringing in a 70 who can play that style of play. Sammy Blay probably is Gallant, too. All those series with St. Louis and uh seen him up close and personal. So I think it was Gallant saying, Jory coming to him and saying, listen, we need guys like this. And Gallant saying, well, these are the guys that I think can accomplish that, and I've seen him do it. And Jory just went out and got it done. Which, to be honest, is the way it should be. You know what I mean? Coach says, hey, we need this. Here are the guys I've seen it do it, and Jory makes it happen. So The way it should be, the good old father-son relationship, except... The age difference, it's more like son and father relationship. I know. I just can't wait until Gallant has Ryan Reeves playing right wing with Panarin. I mean, I'm, I, I'm going to be fucking thrilled. Uh, when that happens, I mean, is it going to be good for uh, protection purposes? I, I, I don't see Willie acting a fool now anymore. Well, opening night, Rangers against Washington. Oh, so do you think there'll be a dance at center ice? No, no fucking way. You know why? Because Tommy Wilson is not going to drop him when challenged with Ryan Reeves. He's going to talk shit. There'll be scrums. They'll be pushing and shoving. Wilson will run in his mouth and run some guys when Reeves is on the bench. I don't think anything is going to happen on that night. I would, I would honestly start giving a little more respect to Wilson if Wilson's line is the first line to open up the season. Panarin's line comes down and Reeves is on the right side. And then Wilson's like, all right, let's do it. Let's get it out of the way. Well, we shall see. Open a night. Coming soon. Yeah, in October. Not that far away. Well, all right, baby. Who you got for shout-outs? Uh, shout-outs this week. Obviously, the coaster who is passed out, sprawled out, airing it out next to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, I know I mentioned earlier, but I've got 33 days until I hit the road for Greece for a nice month-long sabbatical after almost two years of 60, 70-hour work weeks with my startup. So, counting down the days. I mean, hey, I mean, thanks for the invite. Much preach. But, uh, <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, I would invite you, but I don't think uh, you'd be able to bring the kids and give Red a full month off, so... <laughs> Not a full month off for her. I'm going. I'll have a full <laughs> month off. Uh, but who do you got for shout-outs? Shout-outs this week. I have uh, Tommy and Nettie, the Amaya brothers, just opened up Amaya Comics on uh, Cambridge Street in Cambridge. Go check them out. I have a shout-out to Uncle Steve, finally on the right side of recovery. Uh, it's still very much an uphill battle, but... Uh, getting better one day at a time. So we're we're very happy and very grateful for that. So I am uh, 
I am very happy with the group of refs medical in Boston taking care of Uncle Steve for us. Yeah, definitely. And now looking into it, you already covered it for us, but next couple of weeks we'll see where the remainder of the free agents sign and then camp opens up, which will give us a little bit of time for some previews or all depending on Ben sabbatical as to when we do or when we don't, but that's okay. I mean, I got plenty of people. We could just make it a Bruins podcast for a month and we'll go from there. <laughs> I think to fill some time in these next few weeks in August, we can finally have our uh, weekly episodes talking about random shit that we've always debated, like ranking uh, the best jerseys in the sport, the best arenas in the sport, uh, things like that. So maybe we'll have an episode or two where we just kind of have a little fun with it i like it uh, just it'll be a uh, pre pre-vacation fun for you yeah realignment how would we format the divisions <laughs> oh perfect team after team and everything else yep well ladies and gentlemen as always thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another action-packed episode of two for one time Showbiz